Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Okay, we're going to dive into the Word of God right now. And again, if you've got your bubbles here today, um, I encourage you to pull them out. Um, if you haven't got your bubbles here today, um, just, just put your head down and pretend you're looking in your bag for something and you'll, just, you, you'll fool the pastor and think that you're looking for that something right now. But we want to encourage, let's have our Bibles, whether it's electronic or a paper version. Let's have the Word of God in front of us. If you've got something to write on today, that'll be also fantastic. And uh, I'm going to be talking into our new series here today uh, titled The Butterfly Effects. The butterfly effect, and we've actually got a little uh, screen. It's the wonderfully talented Harmony uh, Kerbatov has put together for us, and um, and we're going to speak into this thought today. And really, the key thought is actually a word that I believe God has given us for our church for 2023, and it's this word titled, a word named, formation, formation. You know, when I think about the last few years, and I consider the events of the last few years, and I think about what God is doing in His church, not just our church, in the church right now, I'm believing God is calling us to a place of renewed formation. To not just be followers of Jesus, not just be attenders in church, but to find ourselves indeed doing what the second part of our vision says, to become more like Jesus, become more into His life in every area of our life. And so this year, church, we are going on a journey of formation. We're going on a journey of wanting to become more and more like Him in every single way. To become like John 3 says, become less of me and more of Him in every space of our lives. And so this morning, I want to dive into a scripture from Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read from two parts of Ephesians chapter 4. We have the words on the, on the, on the, on the, on the um, screen as well. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, it says these words. It says, therefore, I, and this is Paul, the, the super apostle Paul, he's saying, I'm a prisoner serving, uh, for, for serving the Lord. What we understand right now is that he's likely sitting in a jail in Rome writing these pieces, uh, this piece of scripture right now. He says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. What's the language he's using here? He's saying, I'm begging you. Other translations say, I'm urging you. I am, I'm, I'm calling you to a place where you'll find yourself living your life in a way that's worthy to the calling. What is this calling? He's called you from the, from the, from the pits of hell, but he's called you from a place where he's renewed you. He's called you to a place of salvation, where he's redeemed you, where he's given us life where He's forgiven us, where His compassion and mercy and kindness has gone before us. This is the calling that God has indeed given us. And He's saying, live your life worthy of that calling. And then Paul goes into a bit of, hey, let's talk about how we should all be behaving in accordance to this calling. It says, always be humble and gentle. You know, if there's a characteristic or if there's a, a way to live our life right now that I'm finding more and more appealing, it's this area of humility. And for us to be able to recognize who we are, how big God is, 
and indeed recognise that our strength is all because of him. And that if we strip everything away, that we find ourselves in a place of humility, that we can lean on his strength and not our own strength. So be humble and be gentle. Be patient with each other. Hands up. Who's had to be patient with their spouse this week? Oh, you guys are really brave. You guys are real brave. We find ourselves having to be patient. Then it says making allowances. Yeah, Ken put his hand because his wife's on here in the service today. <laughs> making allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. Because of your love. Galatians talks about this idea of the fruits of the Spirit. The evidence of the Spirit, the evidence of, of Christ in us, that when we abide in Him, we find ourselves formed in Him, we have the fruit of the Spirit starting to live out in our life. And so we find ourselves being able to be patient, not in our own strength, but because of the love being formed in us. Then he says, make every effort. And I love how Paul almost gives us a bit of margin right now, as if to suggest that it's not always easy. It's sometimes pretty tricky. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Unity, being bound together by the bonds, by the glue of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. We skip, skip down to verse 11 now. It says, now these are the gifts God gave to the church. Who knows a, a gift ought to be received it ought to be opened. It ought to be valued. And it says here that the gifts gave to the church were the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and the teachers. We had Vicki Simpson come along this time last year, and she actually prophesied into our church. And I actually think she was prophesying into the church about the rise again of the fivefold ministry. That God is wanting us to feast on a table that's been based on, like the legs of the table, of the five elements of the, the, the five elements that God has given as gifts for the church. And it says their responsibility is to equip God's people. Who are God's people? I'm looking at them. I'm seeing them right now. We are called to be able to equip God's people to do what? His work and build up the church. I wonder if we can be stirred up and find ourselves not in a place of just attendance, not just in a place of spectating, not just in a place of I'm going to find my comfy seat in the church, but we find ourselves being stirred up again to be able to go out and build His church, to go out and understand the call of God on our life and find ourselves being moved to a place where we see His work being done, His will come into place, and we see His kingdom come to rise. So this will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will mature. He knows that maturing is a process. We will mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We're growing up, church. We're taking next steps, church. We're taking ground, church. You might have been on this journey for a long time, church, but God is not done. God is wanting to mature us and see he, uh, us move more and more into His likeness. This is why I love when Jesus, uh, God says, uh, Paul says, that we are Christ's workmanship. What does that mean? He is at work in us if we allow Him to do that. So we're no longer mature, immature like children. 
We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. Who knows that there's a fair few new teachings out there these days. <laughs> I was horrified this week when I saw a person I follow take a video of a walking into a female's toilets and seeing male urinals being attached to them. Church, we need to be finding ourselves in a place where we take a stand for some of these things. Where you don't get nervous about it, but what we do, we understand the proclaimed Word of God, the truth of His revelation, that it was the truth then, it is the truth now, and it will continue to be the truth. And that whilst there are new waves of teachings that come our way, we've got to find ourselves, God, coming back to the truth of God's Word. <laughs> and there are a few new waves of teaching. Again, don't get nervous right now. I believe that God created every single child to be a gift from God whether in the womb or in life. And that though there are ways of teaching that will come against that, we will be a church that stands on the truth that every life has been valued and crafted by God. We will be a church that believes that when God created man and woman, He did not forget 763 other genders out there. He found Himself believing in this place of knowing that there was man and woman that was coming and that He was not making any mistakes like a, like a wave of teaching will try and make us believe these days. That when mums and dads have boys and girls, <laughs> we find ourselves in a place where we actually believe His Word. That these new ways, we've got to be careful of the new ways of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lives so clever that they sound like the truth. Who knows the best kind of lie is the one that's often closest to the truth. It sounds right. It tickles the ears. It's the sense of, oh yeah, that's, I can attach my, my faith, my stance towards that. But God's word, it says, and this is the thing, that the truth, a new way of teaching is, well, everyone can have their own truth. <laughs> you can have some truth, you can have some truth, you can have some truth, but there is the truth we can find ourselves living our life from. So instead, we'll speak the truth again in love. In love, growing, and if there's, if there's eight or nine words that kind of sum up the direction where I'm believing and wanting and seeking, and I believe God calling us for this particular series, as these thoughts as outlined right now, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. I could have left it there, but this next verse is actually really important for us, church. For everyone watching, that as we grow, we actually form the growth for others as well. Because it says here that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Won't you pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living. I think it's powerful. I think it's sharper than a double-edged sword. God, I thank you that's the very thing that lights up the path in front of us. God, we pray for your living word to come and resonate in hearts here today. I pray, Lord Holy Spirit, come and use my words. Use me today, I pray.
humble myself, may the word of God go far and wide and know no bounds in hearts today. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Hey, whilst I've got the whole church sort of in my captive audiences for a moment, I want to encourage a couple of things for this year. And the first thing is this journey of digging deep. And what's a dig? A dig is for me, is deeper into God. I want us to encourage ourselves on this journey this year. And look, it's not just a 2023 thing in all reality. It's a forever thing that will continually allow the Holy Spirit to stir us. And we, as we surrender ourselves and that we have the revelation of God's word living in and through us, that we'll continue to become more like Jesus in everything that we do. The second thing I actually want to encourage every single person uh, in our church is to find themselves connected into a connect group. You know, we have a... Um, I, I, I believe that we are called to be able to be lifters and to be lifted. Lifters and lifted. My hope and my prayer is that we'll be like an Acts 3 church when <coughs> uh, Peter and John, they find themselves coming along and they see a lame man on the side of the road. And the Bible says that they lifted him up. You know, as we find ourselves actually finding those around us who are called to lift up, we become a church that starts to resemble His glory more and more. We start to become a church that becomes others-focused as opposed to me-focused. I'm praying that we'll be lifters of people around us. But here's also another truth, that we don't know that when we, meet, we, we might be the person who needs to be lifted up. I'm praying that we'll be like the Mark II Scripture, where we have four crazy friends out there who think to myself, this guy is in need right now. I'm going to find a way to bring him to Jesus right now. Where they pick him up and they put him on a mat and they start digging into a roof in order to be able to find their friend come to be able to see Jesus. We need friends like that. We need connections like that. God never intended us to find ourselves in a place where we're disconnected. And my prayer and my hope this year is that every single person who calls Seathrick New Home can find themselves in a place where they call a connect group their home. And uh, their campus passes, you guys will be able to find out all the details of how to get connected. Um, here today, we'll give some more details around how to do that at the end of the service as well. But the butterfly effects, the butterfly effects. Again, this is a, a word for the year. So we're not necessarily going to try and achieve everything today. <laughs> I've been preaching for long enough to know that realistically, you guys leave here remembering one thing from me. <laughs> I'll talk for half an hour, but you'll remember one thing. But my hope and my prayer is that we'll be able to take away this thought of formation that we'll find ourselves becoming more like God. You know, we, today will be a little bit like, um, you know when you go to a fancy restaurant, there's big, massive plates and then what happens is, is that they put this tiny little bit of food on these plates. And you think, what's the point of the big plates right now? And what happens at the end anyway? You need to go to Macca's at the end of it because you're so hungry because you haven't been fed in the first place. Today's a bit like that. Today's about, let's find ourselves diving into this. Let's find ourselves beginning this word. You know, I think that God's creation is filler. And this idea of the butterfly effect is truly magnificent. Let me teach you a, a Greek word here today, and my apologies if there's any Greeks in the house or watching here today. I'm probably going to have an Aussie twang to it all, no doubt. But the Greek word metamorphano means this word transform. Everyone say metamorphano. Yeah, it's a nice Aussie twang to it. That's, that's really good. <laughs> metamorphano. <laughs> 
And this is where we get the English version or English word metamorphosis. Now, if we look at metamorphano, it has two words. It has meta and morph or morphano. And what those two words mean, meta means to change. Morphano means to take a new form. And so this idea of metamorphano means is that we're called to be able to change into a new form. And the closest thing in creation that we see is when a, a caterpillar finds itself living out the season, living out the time as a caterpillar, crawling into its little cocoon, and then days and weeks later, it finds itself being transformed into this beautiful butterfly. And I think to myself, how amazing is that? I thought to myself as we went along the thoughts of today, I thought, imagine a caterpillar crawling with its little legs all over your face. Like, isn't that sort of a bit of a gross thought right now? A caterpillar is not all that, all that glorious. It's like a, a glorified slug with legs. A hairy, a hairy slug with legs is basically what it is, you know. And, and it basically what happens, it, it lives out its life, but its never intended ending point was as a, as a caterpillar. It was always intended, if it's given us the chance of life, to find itself in a place where it would reach its cocoon and take the moment of transformation and then it would find itself in a place where you'd see the butterfly come into full effect. We went to Cairns last year and Ali was desperate to go to a butterfly farm and I couldn't think of anything worse to do. It was like, oh, it, was, it was for Ivy, she said. Um, <laughs> whatever. I said, there's no way I'm going to the butterfly farm, darling. I'll go get a coffee somewhere. You guys go do that. Off you go. And, uh, you know, but they just put some photos and the, the pictures of these butterflies were absolutely beautiful. But its original form, the creepy crawly little T-Rex arm and legs kind of thing that these little slugs have, it's not so beautiful. But this is the work that Christ does in us, that as we allow him to be able to form us and transform us, and, the, and I'll, I'll go as far as saying, I believe that a, a gift or a, or a fruit of every single disciple is transformation. That if you're truly following after God, if you're placing his word at the center of your life, if you're allowing the Holy Spirit to be, he's your God, then transformation starts to take place in our life. You start having the language of, I once was, but now am. You know, as a pastor, that is one of the most joyous things that I get to see. As people have this word of, I once was, and now am. Sometimes it's good for us to be reminded of I once was, but now am. I can see Christ's work at life, at work in my life. What a beautiful thing. So these, these caterpillars, they never found themselves in a place where they were always going to finish as a caterpillar. There was a metamorphano taking place in the caterpillar. One or two thoughts here for us today as we kick off this series. I want to declare here today, change is, in, is inevitable. Change happens. If you haven't noticed, we're all getting older. I went to a friend's baby dedication yesterday and I was reminded that I've known him now for 21 years and I thought, holy smokes, how did that even happen? We're getting older. I'm finding myself, without me even trying, 
my hair is losing its positions in all the places I want to keep it. And it's growing in all places that I want to have it. <laughs> True story, I remember thinking my, my grandfather, he was, must have been 60 or so at the time, and he had like all the mad hair coming out of his, out of his ears. And I thought to myself, Granddad, what are you doing? How is it even possible that that much hair is coming out of your ears? Yesterday, I plucked my first, he- my, my, my first um, hair out of my ear. I thought, it's happening, it's happening. Change happens. Whether we like it or not, change is happening. But I want to declare here today that whilst change is inevitable, growth and formation is an option. Change is a default. Formation happens by design. Formation happens by living a long life of obedience in the same direction. And we love to have this, like, I just want to get from point A to point B overnight. Who's like me that likes to be able to have instant kind of transformation, kind of the the microwave effects? This is not the picture of discipleship. It's actually the slow walk in the same direction. If you want to get fit, you've got to plan it out. You've got to eat well. You've got to get a PT. You've got to find a training buddy. If you want your children one day to turn out the way that you hope them to be a turn out, you have to have a design for their days. You have to have intentional parenting. To find yourself in a place where you choose their learning lessons and choose their diet and what time they'll go to bed and what time, how much screen time they'll have and, and what kind of friends do you want to have them with and all these things. It's intentional. There's a plan. There's a, there's, there's, there's a process that takes place with it all. You know, I... I'm believing that God is calling us as a church into deeper levels of formation this year. And my prayer and my hope is that we'll all be on this journey together as we dive into what it means to become more and more like Christ. And here's the good news. Let me, let me close and give you some thoughts about some good news here. Becoming more like Christ has nothing to do with striving, nothing to do with trying harder, or trying to produce a a bit of fruit that you don't necessarily have in you right now. Formation actually looks more like surrender, following, and being able to ask the Holy Spirit to be able to move in our lives, in every bit of our lives, in our prayer, in our worship, in our times and in our services, in our home life, in our workplaces. It's surrender and saying, God, come and have your way in me. I know I don't have what it takes. I need your power with me. I'm reliant on your Holy Spirit. I need more of you in every single area of my life. There's a scripture just before we close and I hand back to our campus pastors from John chapter 3. And it involves this man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, we, we read about Nicodemus in John 3 and John 7 and then again at the end of Jesus' life. And it's a beautiful picture of transformation. It's a beautiful picture of how a life can be indeed transformed. You see, Nicodemus was a man during the time and he was a, not just an ordinary man, he was a Pharisee. He was actually a leader of the Sanhedrin and the leader of the Sanhedrin meant that you're sort of leader of the lead, religious leaders. He was known in the area. He was very much in a place where um, people knew of who he was. And the Bible says one day that as Jesus starts to minister and finds himself in a place where he's indeed 
going from town to town and reaching people and, and having a new way of teaching that is, 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 is the good news, what happens is that Nicodemus hears about Jesus, the Bible says. He hears about his teachings. He hears about the miraculous hand and power of God upon Jesus' life. And my prayer is that we'll indeed be a church that as people interact with us, they'll hear and see Jesus. They don't necessarily have to come to a church service to be able to hear about and see Jesus in our lives. So Jesus uh, is walking the earth and Nicodemus hears about him and, and, and he's drawn to him. And John chapter 3 verses 1, it says these words that, it says, at night time, he went to go and see Jesus. But you see, he actually was in a place where he went to him at night time because he knew he couldn't go and see him during the day. Because he knew of the consequences, knew of the cost that would come his way if he was discovered as a Sanhedrin leader to be meeting with Jesus during this time. And what happens is that when he meets him, he encounters him. And he ushers these words, he says these words, says, I know that you are speaking the truth. And he has this amazing encounter with Jesus. And you might be sitting in a room here today, whether in this room or online at one of our locations, where you've heard about Jesus, but you haven't yet necessarily encountered Jesus. My hope and my prayer is that we'll be in a place today where you can indeed encounter Jesus as your King, as your Lord, and as your Saviour. That it won't just be a hearing thing. It won't be just a seeing thing in someone else's life, but you will indeed find yourself being able to encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords here today. But you know, it goes further than this. He encounters him on that day. He meets with Jesus and his life starts to be transformed from the inside out. He would have lived and dedicated most of his life to living the way of a Pharisee. But in a moment, his life is transformed and it's renewed and he has a new way of seeing. It's like the scales of his eyes have been released. And we see across in John 7, and then again John, uh, later on in John when Jesus has died, we see two significant moments taking place. We see a moment in the Sanhedrin in a time of a council where Nicodemus takes a stand for Jesus. He actually makes a voice for Jesus. He defends Jesus. And that moment, that would have cost him everything. He would have been realising the words he was saying and he would have been cast out at that particular moment. And what happened is he went off to be able to be a follower and one of, one of Jesus' most um, dedicated followers and what I love in the last things, the last moment we see and read about uh, Nicodemus is that Jesus has gone to the cross. He's finished his life. And just before he's placed in the tomb, it's Nicodemus who takes the oils, the perfumes, and he prepares his body and he anoints his body. And I think to myself, the journey that Nicodemus took the transformation that Jesus took. He was once this, and he ends up finding himself at the, at literally at the feet of Jesus, anointing his body just before he's placed in the, in, in, the, in the tomb. 
This is the picture, church, that I'm believing for us, that we will see transformation. We will see formation taking place in our lives. That we won't just hear, we won't just encounter, but we'll take a stand. We'll understand the call of God, the worthy call of God upon our lives. And we'll indeed find ourselves anointing Jesus and lifting up the name of Jesus in every area of our life. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.